quarter and we're going to thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for just a good time. Rejoicing in each other, rejoicing in marriage, rejoicing in the joys you provide to us, fellowship of the saints. We'd ask that we'd start this morning and consider your word and start to organize our lives and thoughts in greater accord with it. In your son's name, amen. Well, you're looking at this uh, sermon notes and really big type, like 14 point, maybe even 16, I don't know. To make the 18 verses of John 1 stretch out long, I still didn't get the bottom of the page. Your hopes, as they always do, spring eternal. But you also say it's John 1. And John really just leans into you heavily about thinky things about Christ and the gospel. So who knows what might happen. The the outline on the other side just looks tiny and small, nine point and detailed. So we'll see what happens. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Wonderful, wonderful statement of our doctrine of Christ. Not a Jewish carpenter who, you know, got his act together, got in touch with the overmind. He uh, was God. He was in the beginning. As he said to the Jews before Abraham was, I am. And the Christians, and I only speaking for those of us of Scott's descent, maybe some of the rest of you got on board with the idea of thinking. But uh, Western Christianity, if you study the Byzantines and and often the Orthodoxy um, group, you ever talk to a Greek Orthodox or a Russian Orthodox individual you're not going to be talking to them like you can argue with a Roman Catholic, say. You you don't get to. The Roman Catholics very early decided to march in step with the direction of Europe in Greco-Roman philosophy. So you get Thomas Aquinas out of the West and uh, who knows, out of the East. Because they're not not a rationalist-based Uh, religion. The West became rational. And as rationalists, especially those of us who are in churches that are looking at grammatical historical interpretation and we we look at what does the word say, how does it mean it, what was the thinking, how did the thinking connect, we love passages like that in John 1. In the beginning was the word. John does not use that lightly. We Logos school that some of you attend and the twins turn around and face front. As soon as I said Logos school, they went, what? He's saying something important about my school. What grade are you guys in? Uh, Going into fifth. fifth. Are you done yet? You're in the summer? Going into fifth grade? Are you kidding me? Do we have to give you a prize or anything? Not for a while. Logos school. Before that, when we moved to Ann Arbor from uh, Annapolis, uh, my father's 
Wilmington University to open a bookstore, evangelistic bookstore, at the University of Michigan. And they said, we're going to call it Logos Bookstore. And I was too young to roll my eyes at the time. I would have. I did when they named Logos School, Logos School. Um, I said, don't do that. Name it St. Swithin's or something. But don't, don't name it Logos. Because it was evident at the bookstore, salesmen would come in from book companies going, is Mr. Logos here? Because they assumed it was some guy, Pete Logos. But we, those of us in the know, we see the Logos here, the, 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 we get the word logic from it, meaning, reason. And we can, we can camp out on verse 1 and 2, 3. But I don't know if you've read on in the passage and realized he's not writing a, um, you might say, a, a uh, what's the right, a, a hymn to the logic of our faith. And I, and you, I love reason. I love th that which God gave us to know things by. But I don't think this is a creed or a, 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 a proof text by which I show its place in the Christian life. Because he goes on to say more. Because he doesn't say, and logic, verse 4, in him was logic, and logic was the light of men. He doesn't say that. He says in him was life. And the life was the light of men. And then he keeps talking about light. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Now it might be good to realize that. When you say, in the beginning was the word, he doesn't tell you how he's meaning that. He does not inform you, give you definitional, we have to look at the language, we have to look at the words, go, I think it might mean this, and you might be right. But he does tell you what he is talking about, was that life was in Christ, and that is going to be spoken of as light. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What are we talking about? What hot life? Are all these two vague? We have word, we have light, we have life, darkness. I was uh, what's, what, the reason this was on my mind is uh, I was going through a problem of pain a couple weeks ago. And uh, the first couple chapters are just great. Just, um, and one of the things that Lewis deals with is the, the miraculous nature of being. <laughs> when, you start, when you start to think backwards, you don't just get into you know, tidy little Sunday school arguments for the existence of God. You start saying, like Cartesian problems. You say, how do I know I'm here? And he said, I didn't actually come to church, Evan, to find out if I'm here. Well, you're going to get this. Anyway. What, what is life? This, this recorder, my Sony, by which we record the sermons and upload them to SoundCloud, and you can listen to them later. Um, is it life? I, I mean, I'm saying things, and it's 
the signals being received by this little device and the robots that you're afraid of in the robot apocalypse are they alive? Is a rock alive? If you go, is this pulpit alive? And why is not, if you say, no, it's not evident, it's pretty obvious. What's obvious about it? It's here, I'm here, I'm alive, it's not alive? How do I know what's alive? Because when I say something brings life, or something is life, I can't just, you know, casually put it in my pocket and walk away. What's, what's the meditation? John is writing a commentary on the life of Christ. This whole thing about Jesus Christ being the light is all the way through John. So what's life? There is... It, there's different ways of defining it. You could define it physiologically. Does it process? Does it feed itself? Does it, does it, you know, locomote? Is a virus alive? Does anybody know? Anybody sciencey here? We, we wonder about viruses. They run around. They do stuff. They're up to no good. But they're not quite life. What's going on with life? You know that you're alive because you exist in a world of signal and sensation of that signal. This recorder gets the signal, but it has no sensation of the signal. You have sensation of the signal. You've maybe talked to me before about the nature of why I don't believe AI is possible. It's because you can't make a robot feel pain. You can't make a robot feel pleasure. It's not possible. Sensation and the valuation that comes with sensation is how you know you're alive and how you know you're not the person next to you. And this is what Lewis dealt with in the problem of pain, is how miraculous the autonomous creation was, the need for matter and the need for other. Because you wouldn't know you were even there if there was not distinct matter with a gap between you and the other where you had to make barking noises into the air that the other people understood as English and they took it in with the meaning you gave it. It's a tenuous thread that connects us but it's a thread that is necessary to prove existence to you and to God. And I think it's wonderful that God steps into this like he does in John 1, very similar to the creation in, in Genesis 1. And the word was with God, the word was God. And he makes stuff, and you remember the story when he made stuff, and the Lord said, let there be light. We seem to think, have you ever stopped and listened to your conversation with somebody? There was a lot of conversation yesterday at our wedding, how about yours? People talk? They talked and they talked, and then, Sierra would never leave. Lindsay stayed up with her. I went to bed. But people talk, right? And we just sort of take that for granted. It's a miraculous event. Life, rocks don't talk, nor do they sense what you're saying. Robots can make noise, but they don't sense what they're saying or you're saying. 
They just received the signal they were told to receive. We are living because we have a participation. We know we're living because of this participation in a world in which signal can come to you and sensation and valuation of that signal. Now, I don't think that John is sitting there in his study, first century, late in life, compiling this gospel, going, you know, I really want to get across, what do I want to get across? Sense and signal. How will I put that? I'm seeing that because I'm needing to define the terms he uses. I want you to have a term that as he moves into the passage, you know what, that you've got a task to define what life is, what the light is about. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. Like in the creation in Genesis, and he separated the light from the darkness, and he called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And there was evening, there was morning one day. In the daylight, it was all dark before, right? Almost dark in the sense that you couldn't call it dark because there was no referent. You know, it just wasn't. Formless and void. Chaos. Wet, I believe. There was watery, watery chaos. The light begins life. And not in some sort of theistic evolutionary sense where the light warms up the water and the proteins form into some primeval sludge and turns into the slug that became you. But light is the beginning of the presence of the, of, of the ability to sense the signal, to know what is being spoken. We are given the senses. I have a tongue. Um, Elena Loveless had just gotten Invisalign um, braces, uh, her, and she can't talk. She had a great time not talking, but everything sounded like a major speech impediment because her tongue was not racketing about in the mouth it was used to. It now had a big piece of plastic in there. But we are given these means of rep, um, mentioning our world to another in the light. We know things are there because our senses, whatever you want to call light in relationship to your hearing, is when you don't have earplugs in. Light in seeing is when the sun's up, the lights are on. It's a concept of illumination that that which is communicated is available to you. We know that walking across, at least when we were raising children, you did not walk across the living room in the dark and bare feet. Because Legos <laughs> are... Uh, waiting for you. And you wish the lights were on. You wish you stopped and went to the light switch. You wish the electrician had put a light switch at the top of the stairs. Because you can't even, after going up and down those stairs countless times in your life, doing it in the dark, you don't remember how many you went down. And then you take a step thinking, you've got another one to go down and there's the floor. You feel like an idiot, stumbling around or you think the floor is going to be there, and there's yet barely another step or two. The light comes in very handy for your sense 
and signal reception and your valuation of the world around you in the most basic physical life sort of way. I can touch things, I can smell things, I can taste things, see things, hear things. And every one of those things you are automatically valuing by how much good it does you or how much pain it causes you. That's what life's all about. But there's more to that than this. That's the light that God brought in through Christ in the creation. He made light and darkness, and then he built life on top of it, physiological life. But you get this hint in verse 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. We begin to realize that all of what you have in this regard was because Jesus Christ, creator of all things, we seem to forget that it's Jesus, not just God, but the scriptures makes it very clear, especially that first part of Colossians, wherever Colossians is, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So back before your sun and moon and your stars and your animals after their kinds and the Adam and Eve, all before that, as God laid that out in the world and exposed it to light and exposed it, said so he breathed into Adam, he became a life-giving spirit. Our life, our ability to be autonomously as an agent that has to measure its world, has to look out its own eyes, and nothing else sees out of your eyes but you. Nothing else feels what you feel but you. God can't even know how you feel about that headache. Because God cannot be you feeling it and not be God anymore. He, he would have to give up being God. You are, the, you are the essential summation of everything you feel. Everything you sense, everything you value. That's what makes you, you. If anyone else could feel exactly what you feel and not feel anything else, they would be you. That's what makes you, you. And that's what made the creation alive in the world before him, an autonomous presence receiving the signal, receiving the light, sensing it, valuing it, fellowshipping with it before the fall. So that's who our God is. He is the purveyor by his word, by having spoken it into existence, he made light. And he is... The life he gives us is that light, and it continues to be deeper and different and more life in it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for testimony to bear witness to the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. John 8, over on the left-hand side, I have this quote of Christ. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John was not the light. He was pointing at the light. Christ said, I am the light. And all the way back, that, that Christ, that I am, it says here in the first few verses, he is the maker of all things that have been made. He is that 
voice of God that said, let there be light. And now he's stepping into our lives a little bit deeper and going, I am still the light of life. And your relationship to the outside world is one thing. But verse 9, the true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. There's something more about light. And if there's something more about light, there's something more about life, right? Because he equated the two. And life was the light of men. In him was life. Everything from your created being. You pick that up. The lights came on. You started stumbling through life. Being hurt by this. Being pleased by that. You started to define yourself as an existent agent. And now off you go. Thinking you've collected all the life necessary. And then tragically, I'm 62. And right about that point, well, a little earlier, it starts to remind you that this isn't forever you're going to die. And it's going to hurt all the way down after a certain point. Getting out of chairs is going to hurt. You just can't imagine it. I know you immortal young people. Our light that we thought we could just collect and walk off with, there was more light to come. And John came, the Baptist, came to point to the light and say, he is the light. And Christ, when he arrived, said, I am the light. Now what do we do? One, we have to recognize that there's a true light. That which illuminates your world in such a way that you have as much debt to it as you do to all of the, uh, you might say, the assumption of the rights and privileges of a communicating agent in a world of sense and signal. You're a communicating agent and sense and signal ever since those you know, child children get hauled off to purgatory and get their bottoms swatted in the basement here. You can hear them relating to sense and signal. And why do we paddle their rear ends? It's a lot of fun, one. Um, two, by the will of an agent smarter than the two-year-old, that agent goes, you know, you really haven't processed what kind of pain this is going to bring in life if you don't process it. Let's go to the basement in the church. Let the pastor preach on. He'll get going. And I'll take this child down there and drop his drawers and knock him into the next county. And, and the child sits up and goes, my heavens, I didn't realize there was so much pain connected to this behavior. And they turn away from it after a while. That's why we do it. We don't do it because we're child abusers. We don't do it because we, we just like hitting small people. Some of you would be in trouble. We know that sense and signal conveyed to somebody. The police do it. Parents do it. Tragically, some churches are about it a lot. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. We've got light and we, we know how this works. If you stop and think about how life works and how your relationship to your communication, your valuation of sense, what it means to your being, then you realize that my Christ is claiming to be even a greater light. So that 
Some people who live in his created material light, he made a world where the sun came up or light came up, but then the sun came up four days later. He's got a true light he's bringing, but he's brought all this other life too. But there are people, verse 10, he was in the world. He just told you the true light that lights everybody up was coming into the world. John was pointing at it. Now look at this light. It's already light here. I can already see the mountain range. I can already see the flower. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home and his own people received him not. They didn't know him. They didn't receive him. The light was falling on them. The sun came up in the morning. This new light, whatever this true light is, was falling on every man and they were blind as a bat. They didn't look at it. It's described those of us who are waiting to see what the light is or want to know, okay, what I'm trying to suggest to you is the more light is more life. More light is more life in Christ. Not more light of any kind, you know, going to Tibet and becoming one with the ascended masters. That's not light. Christ is the light. Most people don't want to look at Christ. They're fine with the amount of light they're issued. They're still trying to stack up their Oreos in nice little piles so they can eat them as they want. Because nothing is better than having a stack of double stuff Oreos. Somebody was objecting to my constant reference to foods. Is that okay? I mean, is it too much to fleshly appetites? Double stuff Oreos, onion rings, french fries. We had guests a few weeks ago, and that's all the kids remembered was, he said french fries to sidetrack anybody who is indebted to the, to the flesh. People don't want any more than that. They think they can create a nice enough pile of Oreos that they will be happy till they're dead. I was talking to my brother-in-law last night. Good conversation. He's not a believer. He was talking about his savings plan. He's going to have quite a bit of money when he's dead. And I just could nod and go, okay. Sounds like quite a bit of money, Jean. You'll be dead and you'll have quite a bit of money. That's what he's working to do. He wants to stack up the pile of Oreos. He's a great guy, loves his family, leaving an inheritance so that they could take it into life and stack it up for another generation and die with, you know, $7 million instead of just three. That's all we want. So we go, Jesus shows up, and Jesus, I mean, small town Palestine, people who are very religious, great tradition of religion, there shouldn't be anything more exciting than the Messiah showing up. And he is one. I mean, he's raising the dead for sake. We're not just talking about a pastor with a lot of verve. 
and a lot of new ideas. We have a person who's casting out demons, raising the dead, healing the sick, and yet they did not receive him. They did not know him. But to all who did receive him, verse 12, who believed in his name, listen to what's going on because you want to know how this light brings life. People did not get the life. The light shone on them. It enlightened all men. But they did not receive it because they were blind. But the ones who did, who saw it, they are given a greater degree of sense and signal. They're getting a signal from the living God. They have the ability to value the message. I know you like to sing it as well with my soul. It's not just the, the, the melody. That, I mean, it's a moving melody. But you know, you're singing about the gospel effect in your life. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. It's not just touching poetry. You've received him. You believed in his name. The lights came on about something. You now know more about what your world, the world you're standing in, you are now a more identified agent. Have you ever felt that, that you've dealt with some non-believers who, who are so basic in their thinking? They're human beings, they're intelligence, they have the vote, tragically. And uh, you get this feeling that they, they just don't, they just don't see. They're blind. And there's nothing you can do to force their eyes open. Jesus couldn't force their eyes open. But those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Now listen to that. Now you've all heard about being born again, right? John 3 and all the rest. You, you, you're, you're familiar uh, with being born again. because it's a, it's a Christian cliche. But to all who received him, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You are born again, or as the, I think the language has it, you are born from above. It's like being newly alive. Really, because the lights came on. Just like in the creation when he put Adam in his world and he made it lit and gave Adam eyes, you have now, having seen the Christ and having believed in his name, you've become newly alive. That's how it's described. Born again, newness of life, eternal life, children of God, whatever you want to say. These are all things that are referencing you getting a life that you didn't have before and having some sense philosophically of pinpointing why that is. It's not just, well, that's the magic Jesus does. You know, the Holy Spirit just, you've got to have a new life. You have a new life just like you had the old life. You were a sensing and signal receiving, signal giving agent that existed in a lit world of certain physical qualities and now more light. And you've seen it and you've believed and he's given you the power to become born into this new life. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us full of grace and truth we have beheld his glory. 
want you to be thinking, you meditate on this passage, meditate on what's the act of seeing this light. What does it illuminate, right? The true light that enlightens every man, what was it shining on and what was making, what was now brighter for you? You may have remembered becoming a Christian when, as you were getting to know Christians and they were talking about Jesus, and maybe you're not pushing any buttons about your sins, but your sins were becoming a little bit more illuminated. And who Christ was was becoming more illuminated. Tragically, though, we try to draw up a light called the church. Not we, I mean, but just the church in general. We want to put the light somewhere else. This is where the light is. If you be around these people or that building or those programs or whatever the theology. I want you to think about it is that we have beheld his glory. In John 12, and I have it on here on the left-hand side, Jesus said to them, The light is with you for a little longer. Walk while you have the light, lest the darkness overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. Let that inform you a little bit. To the degree you see Christ, to the degree you meditate on his glory, to your, where his glory illuminates who you are and what you do and what you feel, you know where you go. You're not walking in the dark. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. When Jesus said this, he departed and hid himself from them, which is an interesting thing. He's doing that with some regularity in his teaching. That he'll say something kind of unthinkable and then run away or not explain it. We're having it explained by John. Though they had, he had done many, so many signs before them, yet they did not believe in him. It was that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? So when the word of God comes, be it through Isaiah or the word of the revelation, the word of God revealed, that's what the word brings. Again, I, I'm, just not, I'm a big fan of intellectualism and rhetoric and philosophy and the like. But I don't think this word here in this passage is trying to lean into that that much. He's trying to say, this is the de- declaration. He switches metaphors, you know, a few times in the, in the passage. He's got, goes from word to light to birth. But follow where he goes with it. And the people didn't believe Therefore, they could not believe, for Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, lest they should see with their eyes and perceive with their heart, and turn for me to heal them. The light comes on and doesn't eliminate the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it, and he separates the light from the darkness. But you do have a couple of worlds. Evil men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Walk in the light as long as you have the light, believe in the light, become sons of light. Those of us who are choosing it are choosing in juxtaposition to dark. Where you don't know where you're going. And if you choose to be blind, and you harden, get hardened by God in that blindness, that's what uh, you're going to walk around doing. I am surprised after 6,000 years of human history at the common 
thread of stupid and sin. Doing the same thing over and over and over again. Well, let's try this again. It never worked before, being mean to each other. Let's do it again. We have beheld his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father. John bore witness to him and cried, This is he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, for he was before me. Not just higher, but earlier. John's there to point at the light. He is not the light. No matter how gifted the repentance preacher is, he is pointing at the light. Know where the light is. Don't fill in the blank for the light with anything but Christ. And don't fill in the word Christ with your definition of Christ. Because definitions are the most subtle way of hiding his glory. Well, what I said to my definition of him included a lot of glory. Did it? Defining something as having a lot of glory is not seeing his glory. Until you see his glory, until you see what light he has brought, not just said, well, the church has always affirmed that Jesus Christ did blah, blah, blah. You don't want to be those kind of Christians. Rods up your butts. Is that a theological term? Probably. It happens a lot in theology. Verse 16, and from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. His fullness, his glory, his grace. I don't know if he's using the term pleroma there for fullness. In Colossians, it's being used. I was going to look it up, didn't have time, ran out of time before I came to church. But the fullness. This is where the life is, the rest of the life, the thing that you don't have yet or you feel, I'm losing track of it. People claim to turn the lights on with a good set of doctrine. And it may be the true doctrine. They have a good definition of Jesus Christ. It isn't the light. Find the light switch. Turn on the light switch. You're talking about him. You're talking about glory. You're talking about a fullness. You're talking about what we have all received, grace upon grace. Have you received the grace? Because once you believe in his name and receive him, he gives you the power to become children of God. Born again, new life. Everything illuminated. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. We are finally given the door opening. Now you know my belief about narrow is the way that leads to life and I don't expect a lot of people to be saved at the end. I mean a lot compared to each other, but not a lot compared to the world. But find this light. Live a life in it. No one has ever seen God. The only Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has made Him known. This is what your ultimate yearnings have been about. If you were seeking God, whoever must draw near to God must believe He exists and rewards those who seek Him. Of the Athenians in Acts 17, He says... He has set the boundaries of their habitations and their allotted periods that they might feel after me in the hopes that they might find me. Or feel after him in the hopes that they might find him. We're in the dark. 
Just, just, we are able to create civilizations with the modicum of light coming from that glowing orb in the sky. Then we invented a few things to light rooms we were in, and we did things by that as well. But as human beings, we need the light of Christ. You need the forgiveness of God. You need to have found the living God. And he has been made known by the light that is in the life of Christ. And it's all, the whole universe is illuminated with this. This has happened. This has come to pass. 2,000 years ago, the lights came on. We're just preaching. We're like John, preaching and pointing at the light and saying, that's the light. Are you going to receive that? Are you going to believe that? Are you going to find the light switch? Are you going to see the glory of Christ? Are you going to find the Father? Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're grateful. The lights are on for us, Lord, and we'd ask that we would live life in front of our friends who are not believers in such a way that they would see the light. That they would be tempted to have it on so they can become more human, become more actual selves. Help us, Lord, to become more actual selves by standing in the light of your Son. And in his name we pray. Amen.